I've been working with a local production company to put together a documentary about one of the people I interviewed for this podcast. I have held off on releasing the episode because I think the story is intriguing and I want the documentary to be the first time I tell it. This person worked briefly with a paranormal investigation team here in town, the Dallas area. And I've been trying to get a hold of them to talk about what they experienced because it would be great to get their side of things. I haven't had any luck, at least not with finding that team. But I did run into some good luck in a different way. However, at one point, I posted in a local Facebook group that I was trying to find them. The first and only response I got was someone saying, I got on here to ask the same thing. I need to get a hold of them for a documentary I'm making. Now, this person's documentary is about a completely different subject, but we were looking for the same team. Through talking back and forth, I learned more about him. He's a filmmaker, but he has also had some great paranormal experiences. And that is how I met today's guest, filmmaker Timothy Stevens. This definitely made for an interesting episode. He had a few interesting stories to tell, so turn out the light, sit back, and put yourself in that mindset. Open yourself up to being scared. Think about that feeling you get when you're in the dark. And even though you know that pile of laundry in a chair is just a pile of laundry in the chair, part of you isn't sure. And your eyes keep going back to it. You watch it. Did it maybe move a little? Does it look like it's breathing? Of course not. Of course not. But are you sure? Are you really, really sure? I'm Albie Robles, and I want you to scare me. My name is Timothy Stevens, and I, I guess the the best way to put it, and this sounds a little cliche, but it is true, is I consider myself a storyteller. Um, in my my primary mode of storytelling is uh, horror films. Um, although I'll be honest, I've done a lot of stuff. I've done documentaries. Um, I've done reality TV uh, because that pays money. You know, it's not my favorite, but it does pay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, my, you know, if you could see behind me right now, you would, um, my bookshelf back there, you would see quite a lot of uh, my horror obsession laid out behind me. I've got Robert the Doll right here behind me, or a, a, you know, a facsimile of Robert the Doll, not the same one. You know, there's a crystal ball, you know, it's like a tarot card set. So, uh, you know, a collection of horror stories down here, Edgar Allan Poe. So um, definitely I consider myself primarily a horror film director. I think we, you know, just people, society, we are attracted to, um, to horror and to things that scare us because it's exciting. You know, it gets our adrenaline going. Um, 
you know, I, I also think, you know, and this is really what has driven me as a, uh, as a horror film director and as a writer is, um, there, there's something interesting about horror where you can, you can talk about some pretty heady things, you know, you can, you can address, um, topics and, and social ideas and emotional ideas, you know, that, um, people are willing to accept because you've wrapped it up in a really interesting, frightening, um, and, uh, fun. Cause I, I think even the scariest horror films can be really fun. Um, and, uh, you know, fun package. Um, and, and they kind of, it's like putting sugar on the pill, right? It's easier to swallow. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of hard to do that in a lot of other genres. That's why like Marvel films don't get very deep, you know? I mean, there's kind of like really, broad themes of good versus evil in in all of that but if you start trying to talk about like abuse or um uh, family trauma and stuff like that people just you know you wouldn't watch it you wouldn't no one would go to a marvel film to to watch something like that um but you know but you take a film like hereditary in it um it can talk about all of that stuff and you walk away feeling like you had a good time, which is kind of crazy considering the, um, I, I felt like, uh, traumatized <laughs> after watching hereditary. Um, and so much as like, I think I've only seen it once since, uh, I saw it in the theaters. It's just like, I'll see it on Amazon and go, Oh man, I, I don't think I can take that at the moment, maybe later. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I think for multiple reasons that that's why, you know, and, and what's cool about horror is that it ranges, like you can have a fun, you know, horror movie, like castle freak, right. It's not a lot of depth to castle freak. Um, but it's really fun to watch. Um, and, and then you can have something like Hereditary or The Witch um, or Midsummer um, that is is a much deeper film. And, and then there's there's everything in between, right? So it's it's a, I mean, I don't know. It's the best genre there is, I think. You know, <laughs> my interest in horror really ha- happened almost simultaneously is uh my discovery of cinema and i say cinema in a slightly pretentious term uh, <laughs> meaning that um you know we all grew up on the same movies pretty much you know it's, i was born in 1988 so you know by the time i started watching movies you know it was the typical disney films right um and those are great you know um not, nothing wrong with any of that but um you know, the at a at a pretty young age, and I, I can't pin down exactly when it was. I I know I was probably in late elementary school or maybe early middle school. Um, my uh, my mom, she before she retired, was a professional photographer, and when she went to school for that, um, they also took a film course, and it was more like a film appreciation course. Um, so she had seen all the old classics and when i say old classics i mean like nosferatu you know um uh in 
one in particular that she, I, I guess she probably found like a, a bargain bin DVD copy of it was uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is this really incredible German expressionist film. It's black and white. It's silent. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's got these crazy avant-garde sets and it's definitely a horror film. Um, and I remember watching that as a kid and it was uh, eye-opening to me because I suddenly realized like, oh, you can do this. Like they let you do this or this is possible, you know? Um, and it made me feel different, you know, and it was hard to pinpoint because I was pretty young, but the feeling I took away from watching the cabinet of Dr. Caligari was like existential, you know, <laughs> um, versus, you know, uh, the typical kind of just fun movie experience that you might get from, you know, regular, uh, regular fair and theaters um, that you might, that most kids are watching. Um, it was basically from that, that moment on, I kind of discovered two things. I discovered Gothic literature um, as a result of that and, you know, horror and Gothic horror. And, you know, it was pretty much from that moment forward, I started, you know, collecting as many, you know, copies of classic gothic literature like uh, Edgar Allan Poe, Dracula, uh, the picture of Dorian Gray, Frankenstein, um, and, and also consuming, you know, the next thing I watched, I'm pretty sure was Nosferatu, which, you know, can be kind of cheesy in some ways, but it was also, I, I felt like a pretty equally eye-opening experience to me because it, it was like those gothic stories you know, the spooky old haunted houses, the decrepit castles, the uh, the dusty um, passageways underneath a forgotten abbey somewhere in England. You know, all of these things, it was like that manifest on, on screen. I, I basically set out from that moment to make that. Um, and I'm afraid I still haven't made that. That's like a goal of mine is that, that quintessential like kind of uh, gothic horror film um you know and, and unfortunately that's a pretty expensive endeavor so you know i need to um that's something to work towards for sure i i wish we could be all be like um i wish i could be like robert edgars who when he was asked if he would ever make a modern horror film he said um no i don't think so i think all my stories are set in the past and i'm like oh that must be great you know like your budgets will never be under three million dollars awesome <laughs> so we'll I guess we'll get there pretty much everything I write comes out of my obsession with the paranormal and um, you know that started kind of ghosts and hauntings it found its way into like uh, poltergeist and uh, telekinesis and uh, parapsychology and uh, has since most recently and it kind of manifested in my very first feature film uh, kind of the uh, alien um, slash I don't even know what, what the the word for this is like John Keel-esque uh paranormal um you know john keel wrote the mothman prophecies uh which then inspired the richard gear film um and that's almost its own particular brand of weirdness uh to where like is it aliens like maybe not like uh john keel used the word ultra terrestrial um which is this idea that there is some sort of like higher 
intelligence, but it its origin is earthbound. Um, in in you know in a it, uh, I, in no one really knows what that is. You know, I mean that that's like a whole tangent. Um, but you know, if you want to talk about a, a true story, like read the Mothman prophecies, that um, will scare the shit out of you because um, it's just it just doesn't make any sense. It seems incredibly uh, scary and all powerful, and also at the same time, like it has zero agenda um, in like something that could manifest in like fuck up my life, but it has no purpose. Like that scares me. Like that's like gin or like demonic shit right there you know um it's it exists simply to screw with us um you know um as far as me personally um you know i've kind of i'll admittedly uh, i've chased a lot of that you know i've gone on some ghost hunt investigations um one of the craziest things that ever happened to me is I uh, explored this big abandoned hospital uh, outside of Mineral Wells. There is a uh, old army base there, Mineral Wells, Texas. Um, and you shouldn't go into this. I was definitely trespassing. Uh, this has been a long time ago. But um, as we were going through this uh, hospital, I think we were on the first story, there was this big metal door. Um, and I mean, it, it almost was like a freezer door. I'm not sure what the purpose was, but it was, you know, probably seven inches thick, heavy metal on rusted hinges. And um, there, there was a lo local, a friend of mine that was kind of showing me around the place. And she passed through that door um, from this kind of office into a hallway. And as I was following her, I was maybe two steps behind her. The door which was closing toward away from me and towards her slammed in front of my face in in, in not like gradually shut like it fucking slammed um and i she screamed obviously she thought i had slammed it there was another person behind me that saw what i did saw which was that it slammed shut of its own volition um and so we opened the door and tried to make it do it again so we just walked through because we thought maybe the floor is unlevel and by her stepping across the threshold it tipped the balance and caused the door to shut and we could not make it happen again and and more than that it actually took effort to shut the door because it was old and heavy and rusted you know um so something heaved a incredible amount of force against that and that's probably the most like visible experience i've ever had i've had some pretty creepy ouija board experiences as well um not that was like super scary but was like very coherent you know as if whatever i was speaking with was definitely uh intelligent um i did table tipping once which is like the old seance thing they used to do in uh um in victorian times where you you kind it's kind of like a ouija board but you have yes no maybe on you know, three different corners of the table, everybody puts their hands on it and you ask questions and it tips towards whatever you, you put little cards on it. Like, uh, you say, yes, write it on note card, put it on the table. It's a three legged table. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not very big. It's kind of like a little side table. Um, and that was wild because it, it started, it didn't really levitate, but it started to like do things because everybody barely touches it. And it started to, to move against physics 
if that makes sense. It's that's really hard to explain. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, nothing definitive where I've like seen a ghost that I'm aware of, but I definitely experienced some stuff in at different times where I'm like, that was pretty wild. I don't know what was going on there, <laughs> you know? Um, and of course, like I, I do most of these things just to like get inspiration, you know, it's, um, I, I, I will generally, you know, after that table tipping and all the Ouija board experience, I made a short film about Ouija boards, you know? Um, so, you know, I generally do this in order to like somehow like work it into a story and in some things I've experienced and it hasn't made a story yet, but other things have directly manifested into a, uh, a screenplay or even a movie that I've actually made. So I've had a couple of different Ouija board experiences. Uh, probably the most terrifying one is, um, I've, I've got, it's in the other room, this 1914 William fold Ouija board. So it was before, Parker Brothers bought the brand. So it was the original copyright holder. Uh, it's made of wood. Um, really cool. And uh, and it's actually the one I used in my short film, which is called A Visitor. Um, you, you can find it on Vimeo. It's a little bit hard to find. But um, we, we actually took it out into a cemetery, um, myself, my wife, and a, a friend of ours. And... Um, it seemed this friend of ours is the same one that walked across the threshold that that door slammed. So it's almost like stuff follows her. I, I can't verify that, but you know, stuff happens when she's around. Um, and, and we were all doing the board and, you know, you can tell when someone's trying to lead, you know, it's, you'll feel it tug, you know? Um, so I, and I've, I've been on sessions where someone's obviously manipulating what's going on. Um, so this, that, this definitely was not the case. And uh, it was in this old cemetery and we started doing the board and, um, you know, typical, is there someone there? You wait a minute. Yes. Oh, um, I think she asked, are you human? Which was a spooky question. No what are you? And it didn't say anything. Who are you? It starts drifting over and it kind of does, when you know it's legit, it kind of does this little floaty thing where it just sort of like drifts seemingly aimlessly for a minute, kind of in like little uh, figure eights. Um, and then it zipped over to Z and then it zipped over to O and then it went back to Z and then went back to O and it just did that for probably a good minute. Z-O, 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 Z-O. Um, and then um, I didn't know what that was about. I thought it was like gibberish. Um, my uh, friend ripped her hands from the board and almost had a panic attack right there. Like she's in tears. She's like hyperventilating. She goes, do you guys not know what this is about? I was like, I have no idea. She goes, Zozo. And I, I, I looked this at looked up uh zozo later and you can find all kinds of stuff online of this is that um it is a entity that has been coming through spirit boards um possibly for hundreds of years and it's it's believed to be demonic or something it's malevolent um and there, there's just tons of really terrible stories and some of them verifiable, some of them more on the realm of like urban lore, you know, um, of just bad things happening when you engage with this. So we shut down the board immediately. 
and we were just done. Um, and I will say, as it started to do this, I, I didn't know what was going on, but I got a really bad sinking feeling in my stomach. And I just, I felt like kind of shivery, even though it was a summer evening. And I kind of like, I wanted to throw up. Um, and, but I had no context for what it was. It's not like I knew what Zozo was. Um, and therefore I like was afraid because I knew what it, it was. Um, so that that was that I think that that definitely happened prior to me making that Ouija board short. Um, so that, I think that was definitely um, it was one of those experiences that uh, was undeniably real. You know, it's just like some of these things, they happen and, you know, you don't know why, you know, it's real. It's just, you know, it was real, you know. Um, so that it was probably the worst. Um, I've definitely had some other experiences. Like one time I went to a haunted hotel and uh, uh, my wife and I talked with uh, a murder victim um, and she told us her name and it was verifiable um, in the historical records of the town as a actual known murder. Um, in fact, it was a really famous murder that happened in the 1800s where a, a guy picked up a prostitute um, kind of, I took her around town, showed her a really great time, spent a lot, a lot of money, shot her out by the uh, um, bayou, and then skipped town. Um, so I, I'm trying to remember her her name. This is in Jefferson, Texas. Uh, Diamond Bessie was her name. And, um, and I may have gotten some of the details wrong, but she was courted by this this rich guy, came into town, bought her a bunch of stuff, and uh, basically just like killed her and skip town and i i don't even know if he was ever brought to justice i i can't remember maybe he was caught like later on pretty crazy and as we and i have video of this somewhere uh of the session as we were doing the session um once she told us who who she was um we started hearing knocks on the wall and the, there was no one adjoining our room so it wasn't like there was someone like on the opposite side of the wall like knocking it was like a window that we could see through. Um, and then um, at, at one point the door handle jiggled and the whole, the whole door rocked. And I like got up and ran to the hallway and opened to see if anybody was there and there's no one there. Um, so um, that was pretty wild. That hasn't really turned into a story. It, it, it might need to at some point, but um, that was like real, like poltergeisty shit, you know, like, I don't even know like how to, how to, frame that situation you know really really wild um but yeah it's it's a real it's a real famous murder um and we we contacted her through a ouija board jefferson is insanely haunted uh, we actually ended up shooting my first kind of big short film in jefferson uh i, I made a short film called the resurrectionist and it, it was kind of a it's a, it a whole story it's you know it's a complete short film but it's more or less a proof of concept for mm -hmm. a feature that ended up being very expensive and i just haven't been able to make it yet um but it's a it's a voodoo story set nice. in the 1870s so uh pretty cool and we we shot in jefferson specifically because it has that uh kind of new orleans feel to it it's more louisiana than it is texas you know and it's got lake caddo which is this creepy lake with uh uh the cypress trees and the spanish moss hanging and there's alligators like it's a really spooky place so and 
um you know on a side note it's they they say in a lot of places say this but it's the most haunted city in texas um but i can verify from my own experience that it's pretty effing haunted so <laughs> you know so i mean they they're not um they're not uh bsing that point so i actually have two projects that are in various stages of completion. Uh, the first one, and uh, we'll definitely have to come back and talk about this once it's out there, but um, was a narrative feature film, kind of a sci-fi horror that we shot in 2020 called The Ghost Lights. Um, and it's based on the idea of these phantom lights that show up out over the desert in far west Texas. Um, a lot of people know them as the, the Marfa lights. Um, I actually took the idea and placed it more in the Big Bend area around this ghost town called Terlingua, which is a pretty famous place. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it tells the story of this young woman who discovers a cassette tape recording of her father interviewing this man who uh, worked in the mines at Interlingua um, in his close-up encounter with these strange lights and this traumatic event that he had as a, a child. Um, and she's listening to this and she basically decides uh, in order to kind of connect with the memory of her father um, to set out on a road trip and solve the mystery of these lights and a lot of strange and this is more of like the the kind of john keel-esque weirdness a lot of strange synchronicities and odd events happen along the way to the point where she kind of finds herself almost uh in like time slippage and time warps and like i, I don't want to give away too much but um we shot that film in 2020 um we just got distribution on it. Um, so we just signed with them and we delivered the film. Um, so I'm, I can't say yet because it's not public, but it, it's going to be available everywhere uh, that you would possibly expect to find a film short of theaters. We we're not, we're not doing theatrical, but it'll be streaming everywhere um, later this year. So uh, that will happen. Um, our, our second project that we're doing right now. And this, this is kind of a sidestep for my horror, but it's, it's adjacent um, is we're, we're working on a documentary about the world famous goth club, the church, um, which also is known as the lizard lounge, which was more their like electronica techno EDM night. Um, but as far as goth club goes, it was their uh, Sunday night slash eventually became Thursday and Sunday night. And it, it ran for almost 30 years. It's one of the longest running clubs period in the world. Um, but it is also probably the longest running goth club to ever like live in the same space. Cause a lot of goth clubs like kind of bounce around locations. Um, and you know, what, what makes this interesting is that the biggest names in the gothic genre of music and the scene have played there we're talking like clan of zymox uh the cure hung out at the church um peter hook let's see uh marilyn manson uh would haunt the club in the early 90s um he uh hung out with dita von Tees, the uh she does burlesque there um is when they were together um and, and there's been some really incredible just 
things that have happened there, like it's supposedly very haunted. Um, and uh, we've got lots of uh, interviews from people that have had crazy experiences there. Um, I'm still hunting down apparently at some point in either the late nineties or the early two thousands, a ghost team came in and did an investigation and they captured a bunch of evidence and no one can remember who these guys names were. Um, and I don't know, I'm trying to hunt them down. So if, if anyone's listening to this and knows who that might be, please contact us. Uh, spectrograph films. You can email me Timothy at spectrograph films. Um, I need to find these people. Um, cause supposedly they caught apparitions on camera. Um, and, uh, you know, more than that, it's about the community that grew up around this. Cause a lot of us, myself included that grew up in, you know, kind of that alternative, you know, Gothic, you know, emo, you know, scene, um, we kind of felt like outsiders and, you know, for a lot of people, and again, myself included, the the church kind of became the place where we found our tribe. And um, it has literally saved lives. You know, a building has created a community um, and has, has literally saved lives. And I think that's the heart of the story. So we're still filming that right now. And uh, we're going to be probably still filming it over the course of the next year. And I expect to be launching a crowdfunding campaign uh, very soon to help pay for that because we we need to go get the uh, the interviews with the cure. And we need to be able to go get the interviews with Kevin Key from Skinny Puppy. You know, we've got to go get the interviews with probably not Marilyn Manson because he's, you know, he's a bad man, but definitely his, his ex-wife, uh, Dita Von Tees. We got to go get that. And that's going to cost money. Um, so yeah, and it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm just honored, you know, frankly, that they've, uh, allowed me to be the one to help tell this story. Um, cause it's, it's an, it's an incredible story. No one has ever heard of, I think, um, that people need to hear. So, um, and it's got all the spooky stuff, you know? Um, so I, it's, it's definitely like in the vein of the stuff that I really love. So, yeah. So that's, that's what I have going on. Big stuff in the works for sure. Um, so if people want to kind of follow what, what I'm doing, uh, it's Spectrograph Films, S-P-E-C-T-R-O-G-R-P-H. Um, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Spectrograph Films, Instagram. Uh, we have a Twitter that we don't use. I, I don't know. I don't care for Twitter, but it's there. Um, and you can also find our website, spectrographfilms.com. Find more information about the ghost lights, which will be coming out later this year. And then our film about the church, uh, currently titled Dark Sanctuary. You can uh, follow us mostly on Instagram at, at this point. We're kind of posting updates, um, but you know we will be putting out more information both on our website and all social media channels as that kind of comes together. Um, so yeah, fun stuff on the horizon. And, you know, we're, we're making about a feature film every year, sometimes too. So um, go check us out. We also have a Kung Fu action comedy that um, is not, I'm the producer on it. Uh, our company is, you know, the one making it. It's not my project um, that my co-producer, John Francis McCullough is uh, working on it. We shot it also in 20, 
2020 slash 2021 and it's currently in post um so if you like films I, I don't even know what a good comparison would be like die hard or um i don't know there you know the the kung fu style and stuff is is a bit like uh uh man help me out what's the uh blood sport it's a bit like blood sport or even john wick that kind of style um but it, it's also a comedy so there, there's a certain amount of levity to it um and uh it's about this um these two guys they're trying to stop some international terrorists from setting off a doomsday device known as dead hand or the dead hand it's it's a real thing apparently um and uh in this scenario some people have stolen the the device and they're trying to put it together so that they can basically threaten the world with destruction um so you know it's kind of like two people buddy buddy against the world kind of a thing um some really crazy action stuff like i i watched a, a cut of it recently and it's like we made this like holy shit this looks amazing so <laughs> it's uh yeah um no matter your persuasion we we have stuff that uh um people will will enjoy Do you want to try to scare me? If you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share, or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albirobelesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Alby Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. Additional sound beds are provided by Stephen D. Voiceovers. You can follow us on social media. We are Scare Me Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com. <laughs>